This episode of How I Built It is brought to you by two great sponsors. The first is our season-long sponsor. Liquid Web has been best known as a managed hosting company with tons of options. It's also designed a managed WordPress offering that is perfect for mission-critical sites. If you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptimes, and incredible support, Liquid Web is the partner you've been looking for. Every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer has iTheme Sync integrated into their managed portal, allowing them to update several sites with a single touch. Liquid Web hosts all of my critical websites and I couldn't be happier with them. If you sign up today, using the discount code HOWIBUILTIT33, you get 33% off for the next six months. Visit buildpodcast.net slash liquid to get started. That's buildpodcast.net slash liquid. It's also brought to you by Project Panorama. Nod your head with me if you've answered yes to these questions. Do client interruptions prevent you from working on billable work? Do you have trouble managing expectations? As a freelancer, I certainly had this trouble. And I wish I had a tool like Project Panorama that could help. Project Panorama is a WordPress project management and visualization tool that will impress your clients, save you time, and allow you to bill more. Its beautiful interface, project dashboards, collaboration and communication tools, and much more make this an ideal solution. Plus, because it's built on top of WordPress, you can self-host it and have complete control. Head over to buildpodcast.net slash PM today to learn more. Now on to today's episode. Uh, it's with my good friend, Sean Blanda. He and I met in 2008 on the internet when he was running a great website called College V2. I absolutely loved it and I worked with him to improve the design. Uh, we finally met in real life earlier this year. Uh, and Sean is a journalism guy, like a pure journalism guy. It's absolutely great to read his writings and hear what he has to say. And in this episode, we're talking not about a tool that already exists, but a tool that he wants to exist, uh, a full stack platform for independent publishers, uh, because he sees the writing on the wall. He sees the changes that are happening in journalism and news and mass, and he has a few ideas on how to fix it. So sit back and have a listen, and if you're feeling ambitious, go ahead and build the system that Sean's talking about. It's an absolute great one, and I think it's one that we definitely need. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today is uh, my my good friend, uh, Sean Blanda. Sean, how are you? I am awesome. So glad to be here, my friend. I, I'm glad to have you. Uh, fun story about Sean and I. We've known each other technically for about 11 years and just met for the first time uh, a week ago from this recording. So uh, it'll come out, you know, when it's out, it'll be a few months since the first time we met each other. But first time we met in real life after 11 years of like corresponding via the internet. And, and we met because of your website, College V2. Uh, I was in college at the time. I really enjoyed it. And then uh, you needed some redesign work, which I happily did. Which I, which I appreciate to this day. And looking back on it, it was, I think, 
you know, with hundreds of dollars. So you, you, you did, you did me a great service. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was one of those things where, um, you know, it, it was a website I really liked to read. And so I like wanted to kind of like contribute in my own way. So it was, I was glad. And I know you ended up selling that website later. So I'm glad that it worked out for you as well. Thank you. So, uh, so today it's going to be a little bit different, right? Uh, cause, uh, Sean will get into his background in, in a minute here, but, uh, it's going to be different because we're not talking about a product that's already built. It's just kind of in your head. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, I yeah. think that's safe to say. Cool. So all of the developers out there listening, uh, make sure to take notes and, and maybe build what Sean's talking about. So let's get into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do and how you came up with this idea? So my, right now, my, my day job is I am editor-in-chief of two websites uh, published by Ramit Sethi, who's a New York Times bestselling author. One is called Growth Lab, so that caters to entrepreneurs helping people build businesses. The second is called I Will Teach You To Be Rich, which sounds scammy. Swear to God, it's not. <laughs> Before that, I ran a site uh, called 99U. So that was a website that helped creative people uh, make their ideas happen. There was a conference, a book series, and a magazine that went with that that I also ran. And then before that, I founded a tech blog in Philadelphia called Technically Philly, which today is now in five different cities. They have 25 employees, but I stopped day-to-day operations there around 2012. Gotcha. Yeah. So that was that was super interesting to me. If you could take like 30 seconds to talk about what it was like starting that when you started it, because that was like a full-blown company you started, right? Yeah. Well, it didn't start that way. So basically, I graduated college with a degree in magazine journalism in 2008, which is the best time in the world to graduate <laughs> with a degree in journalism. Things weren't looking so good, honestly. And uh, me and two of my co my classmates, Brian James Kirk and Christopher Wink, uh, were freelancing and struggling to get paid uh, every week. Wasn't doing too well financially. And we said, why are we struggling for other people? We might as well struggle for ourselves. We noticed a nascent tech community in Philadelphia. So we just started covering the heck out of it because we were, as only three 23-year-olds with no time on their hand or all the time in the world on their hands can. And from there... We, we we realized we started reflecting this very large, robust community that was just waiting for a platform to pay attention. And it kind of grew from there. Nice. That's that's awesome. So take control of your own destiny. I'm all about that. I love that. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about this idea that you have. Well, it's prompted in my utter, not disdain, but uh, I feel very fatalist about the current news environment in our society, which I think a lot of people do. The The easiest way I can say it is I think the the underpinnings of the news environment and content environment online are just fundamentally broken. So the only way sites can make money is to cater to someone who's not their reader. So in the case of most websites, that means advertising or sponsored content. And that involves some sort of you know, low, low grade deception or almost that their the news outlet is mortgaging the credibility they've had with the community in order to profit. Now, this kind of worked well okay in the past, but now when you put platforms on top of this, such as Facebook and Twitter, uh, news outlets are in really no no control over how they make money and how their content is read. So it puts them in this kind of race for the bottom for not only clicks and attention, but in order to garner the most emotional reaction out of readers. And this kind of leads to our current state of discourse, and I would say our current politics as well. Yeah, absolutely. And what prompted me to reach out to you about this was this excellent newsletter that you run, it's it's every so often, I don't think it's on like a set schedule, but every time you put it out, it's it's I've got to say it's top quality content. Awesome. 
Yeah, it's a t- tiny letter slash Blanda, and I publish it every other month. Pretty much when I get angry enough to write something. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, I will link that in the show notes. I strongly recommend everybody subscribe because it is it is infrequent enough to not be annoying, and it, like I said, it's always top quality content. And and to more to your point there, you mentioned like kind of like you know those clickbaity headlines, and and you also have these ad networks, right? Where you put an ad out there and it gets put to this ad network and then you're not really sure what sites it's it's going on, right? There was that whole drama uh, with Breitbart a little while ago where big brands were getting in trouble for advertising on Breitbart and they didn't really know that they were advertising on Breitbart, right? Right. And then the other thing that happened is Chase, so the New York Times uh, approached Chase and said, you have 400,000 ads across all these sites. A lot of them, you don't know where they're ending up. So Chase, as an experiment, cut them down to 5,000 they noticed the same exact results. Wow. So the ad landscape, I heard someone refer to it as it, it's kind of our subprime mortgage crisis of our time. There's clearly a lot of bots gaming the system. There's a lot of publishers gaming the system with uh, information that's only meant to emotionally enrage people. And the incentivization of someone making a website that revolves around content is not to be truthful, uh, is not to be accurate, is not to be not to build a community, is to get as many people pissed off as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And then that coupled with the fact that a lot of consumers, uh, at least our age, around our age and younger, are getting wise to being able to kind of ignore those ads, right? So gone is the golden age of advertising where you could just put out a TV commercial and or an ad on a website, I guess, and um, people will immediately connect with that content, right? They have to be able to connect to a company, I feel, for you to really be able to sell the the thing that you're slinging, right? And I, I feel like that's a Chase is a, a really good example of that. Right. And it's not just, you know, it, it's such an old man thing to say that advertising is ruining <laughs> X and Y. It's, it's, it's not advertising as a concept. It's the way the business is conducted right now where there's right. a million middlemen, a million bots, a, a, a lot of people who are not, don't have the best intentions. And right. then you have legitimate outlets trying to caught in the middle where they're forced to play this game, this nefarious game. And it's eroding their trust, right? You can see it in something like, uh, I, th- I think the Washington Post is a good example, which you know has won lots of Pulitzer Prizes and continues to do great reporting work. But they have this whole other arm of Washington Post where they're just kind of cranking out emotional clickbaity stuff for Twitter. And it's because they have to do that. And if you were to ask them, they don't want to do that, but they have to do that to survive. And I think until the fundamental underpinnings of this change, we're just going to keep getting worse and worse quality news outlets. Yeah. And, and I mean, we see evidence of that every day. I read a great book called uh, Contagious, where in order to get shares, and, and he's not writing this nefariously. It's actually one of the best business books I've ever read. But in order to get shares, you need to connect with the people who are sharing on an emotional level. And just mm-hmm. having a matter of fact headline is not going to garner that emotional response. Yeah. And and it, it's this weird, indirect business model that feels this. So I, I, I wrote this in an essay I published on Medium called Medium and the Reason You Hate the News. And pretty much if you're Ford and you make a car and the car is good and safe and people like it, you make more money because they buy it. But if you're, and the example I used was Mother Jones, they did a huge expose into uh, prison abuse at Rikers Island in New York City that resulted in substantial overhauls of the prison, and then now they're closing it yeah. in part as a result of the things revealed by Mother Jones. Right? That's a win. That's what the thing's supposed to exist. They don't make any more money from that. In fact, I think they said they made five thousand dollars from that story, and it cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars. So 
the incentives are disconnected with the 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 product incentives are disconnected from the financial incentives and it's causing the worst kinds of actors to appear yeah absolutely and and uh, you know we we see, at, at the time of this recording like James Comey was just fired and and this the summary of what i'm seeing on twitter is statement from senator and if the senator hates donald trump they don't agree with the decision and if the senator likes donald trump or mm-hmm. supports for any other reason you know they they are for that decision very different from the things that we were seeing in october when the tables were turned and you know james comey may have affected people are saying the election so we have that political climate we have uh, the media more or less feeding into that because they need to mm-hmm. not necessarily because they want to and we are where we are now so why don't you tell us about this idea that you have so the the best way i can describe it is kind of what i would call a full stack for independent publishers so the thing holding back independent content creators right now. If, even if I hated, let's say, the Washington Post and the way they cover things and I would just start my own site, I would have to play this advertising-sponsored content game to make money because people aren't really paying for general news. And if they do, it's through these things like events or subscriptions or online courses are something that applies less to news but applies to other niches. And as it's really hard to set up that ecosystem of things to make that system work right now. I've My business, Techly Philly, was built by hosting events and sponsorships and selling them on events. And I had to connect, you know, Google Docs with uh, Eventbrite, with this pro- this uh, Philly startup called Ticket Leave, with my WordPress, with my bank. And I had to learn that on the fly and I did it very crappily and it wasn't the best experience for anybody. And But through the grace of God, did it work. And I wish it was easier for independent publishers to monetize without this constellation of things. So think about so like Shopify, right? Before things like Shopify, if you, you wanted to have an online business, you had to figure out, install the cart, you had to figure out the payment processing, you had to figure out where you were hosting your site, you, had to, you know, everything was its own little battle, and now it's not, and we've seen this explosion of, you know, mini online stores. And I think the same is ready for independent publishers. Gotcha, gotcha. So there are a lot of independent publishers on, let's say, Medium. That's a really good example, right? And they're doing things to maybe try to help monetize their platform, but hopefully help publishers monetize mm-hmm. their articles. What's uh, what, what's the feature set that you would want to see in this? And uh, is it similar to what Medium's doing? Is it vastly different? So I would say it's different because I would say it's the difference between an individual and a brand mm-hmm. and medium seems to be running more to the individual aspect where they're willing to pay out of pocket for people to publish articles and also give them the ability to charge subscriptions like that. Fine. But most news outlets, if you look, or most content outlets, it's just news is just a subset of it. Mm-hmm. Most content outlets, think about your favorite tech blog, right? They need to either use advertising, sponsor content, which is, Hey, I'm letting GE write a post in my voice on my site, or I'm writing a post for GE on my site. That's how Vice and BuzzFeed make all their money. Mm-hmm. You can do events, which is how smaller communities make make money. You can do courses and online learning. And then you can do just direct reader payments. Those are the entire ecosystem of what I'm aware of, how people can make <laughs> money off of content. And each one of those requires its own set of features for sure. But as a, as a publisher, I would love to be able to give my reader one set of credentials or one set of things to carry to all my platforms that would automatically make sure that the customer can engage with me on whatever platform I'm choosing. 
Gotcha. So so you would imagine you and I want to go off and start a centrist news outlet, let's say. <laughs> I feel like maybe we're we're kind of aligned, maybe <laughs> around the center. And so this platform would give us the ability to what, maybe control the ads we're selling, easily set up sponsored content and events and things like that? Or do you want to like turn it on its head? And and so how would we make money from your platform? Oh, if we were starting Yeah, centristnews.com. I mean, you. Yeah. yeah, if I was doing centrist news, I think you couldn't, you could maybe do an occasional event like mm-hmm. national news. But yeah. The problem is no one's figured out how to monetize national general news. Right. Really. Right. Except through direct reader subscription. Right. That's all we got. That's right. all we got people. So, I mean, that's the answer. And that's why no one's starting those businesses because they don't pay. Right. Exactly. Nobody wants to read how, well, you know, if we look at this logically, it's no, it's not even like, it's not even no one wants to read it. It's it doesn't monetize. Right, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So so we're getting clicks, but we're not getting we're not connecting with the the people who are clicking enough to want to pay for more. Right, cuz it's it's too our incentive to play into the tribalism of readers so our stuff gets shared at a disproportionate rate, right? Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so okay, so do you think it's I guess my next question then is do you think this platform would help people write better content or would it or it would help them disseminate content more places in hopes of being able to monetize it? I would say not disseminate, I would say write more. I, I would say that the the individual person it was my hope that when all these like VCs would enter the content game and had all this money that a thousand flowers would bloom, right? We'd have mm-hmm. a thousand kinds of experimentation, but that's not what we have, right? We have uh, these large branches sucking up all the air and resting on venture capital money and not, some of them are experimenting, some of them aren't. And what I would want to do is enable the individuals or the small editorial team to experiment as much as possible with the combination of all the revenue models I explained to you. And there's probably other ones that we haven't thought of yet, but I feel like the internet, we're almost, we're in year 30 of the internet. I, I kind of feel like we hit the end of the road, but maybe we didn't. I, I, I don't know. But I, I want to make it as easy as possible for, for someone that goes, I am really into covering, you know, Philadelphia sports, mm-hmm. and I want to monetize that and make it as easy for them as possible. Yeah. And, and uh, with that one specifically, you could actually have a pretty easy content templating where it just says team lost. So um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a New York, you know, I'm a New York sports guy. Not everyone's perfect. <laughs> okay, so this is great. So uh, so two things you mentioned here, right? All these VCs are entering the game and you've got these bigger companies resting on the laurels of VC money. And you also kind of hinted at this before. It's it's we're almost facing like a dot-com bubble burst of content creation, right? Cuz we have all these websites that are taking in lots and lots of money and not necessarily making that money back or, or finding, you know, mm-hmm. finding a, a good way to properly monetize it without being smarmy. So really, if it's you and I are starting centrist news, whatever, we're not technical and we don't want to spend the hours and hours needed to put it together incorrectly, or we don't want to go out and take VC money to, to hire a developer to put this together. This, mm-hmm. this platform idea would do it for us, uh, like you said, like a Squarespace or a Shopify or something like that. Yeah, and I kind of wish it, it in my in my perfect world. There's like some company that does the tech solutions and has the kind of publisher advising, saying, "Oh, you don't want to do events for this model. You want to do courses or whatever." But yeah, I think so many sites that 
publish content, publish writing, make money on accident, right? Mm-hmm. They figured it out on accident or they figured it out by luck. And I think when we did Technically Philly, that's a great example where we made money, but we swore to ourselves we would never do advertising because we just knew we wouldn't get the scale and it would be interruptive. Mm-hmm. So, and we knew we were confined to a local geographic area. We were covering technology in Philadelphia. So we thought, what are, what's the benefit of doing that? It's events because everyone is right in this limited geographical space. And that's how we ended up making money, right? So it takes, it takes a little bit of knowledge to know what's, what are the options and what are your unique advantages depending on your niche. Yeah, absolutely. And to that point with this platform, if, if you want to start an event, instead of having to go out to meetup.com and signing up for meetup.com and paying for meetup.com, mm-hmm. this platform would assist you in doing something like that. So, cause event planning is, not easy. I did it in college. I do it a little, you know, I planned a WordCamp a couple of years ago and there's a lot of things that you need to think about. And there's also a CRM component of this, which would be great, right? Is yeah. that I, I, the lifeblood of an independent publisher is your email list. And right now there's no easy way for me to tie who's gone to an event, who's read what article, who's bought what product from me, who's emailed me in the past. There's and if you're building a community, which is what you do as an independent publisher, you're building a tight-knit community, you want to know as much as you can about your community. And right now, independent publishers are kind of surrendering this information to Facebooks and Twitters and all these other uh, actors who don't have their best interest at heart and don't care about them. And it's time, I think, that publishers have the tool set to reclaim a lot of this. And the ones that are, are building it in-house. Yeah, and, and that makes perfect sense, right? Because if, if we're trying to... You know, if we're trying to build that email list and connect it right now, we need to use integrations like Zapier, which is another service that we need to learn how to use. And then we need to connect our events manager to our news manager and tracking cookies and things like that. And if you miss one step, mm-hmm. you've got bad information, right? Uh, Chris Lemma actually talked about that on an earlier episode of How I Built It. He set up all these things with Agile CMS, uh, CRM and Zapier, and then he missed a step, and emails were going to the wrong person or, <laughs> or, or or something like that. So that component especially would be very helpful because, again, it's saving people time and potentially money to build the thing that they absolutely need, which is their email list. Yeah, and I, and I know so maybe some people listening will go like, oh, of course, like some dude wants a magic tech solution to solve all his problems. And I, 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 don't, I don't think it would solve all the problems, but I just think we should lower the barrier of entry in as many ways as possible to this. To me, what is like a very important thing we need to figure out as a society, how do we monetize content and news especially? Yeah, absolutely. And that makes sense. And this conversation is reminding me of, uh, I don't know if you listen to Shop Talk Show with Chris Coyer. Uh, and Dave Rupert, but they, in February, they had an episode called News Publishing with Rebecca Monson. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you recognize any of those names, but she started a company. It started off as just a newsletter called Whereby.us. Mm-hmm. That was basically local news for, I believe, the Miami area. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I was like pretty energized by that episode because it was very refreshing uh, hearing her talk about just kind of like kind of like what technically Philly did, like mobilizing a local community, uh, putting out great content about that local community, and then essentially how she built it on top of of WordPress. And now they're expanding to other areas like technically Philly did. Mm-hmm. So a solution like this would be amazing. And um, I know that you've you've dabbled in WordPress a bit, you know, HTML and CSS. Is that right? 
I do, and, and very bad PHP, but yeah. <laughs> uh, depending on who you talk to, they'll tell you all PHP is very bad PHP <laughs> uh, as they go and write like a WordPress plugin. So I, I think, you know, a platform like like WordPress somewhere in, in the future, right? Because WordPress might be a good platform for this. Uh, we're seeing more WordPress developers move to software as a service uh, or mm-hmm. or some like something completely headless, a term where where basically your service doesn't rely on a single technology. NPR is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Their content essentially goes to like a single API and then publishes out to a bunch of different platforms. But I can definitely see at least uh, a proof of concept get built on top of WordPress. And and I'm not saying I'm not I'm definitely not advocating for it. Yeah, well, okay, so get a get WordPress and then install events by modern tribe and uh jetpack to share and uh <laughs> you know restrict content pro to do content like that that's yeah you can totally do that like today using the tools i just said but i think that putting some time and effort and thought into architecting a good structure like this would be great and fairly easy to do on top of wordpress and then using wordpress uh lots of people 27 ish percent of the internet uses it uh, and with the with the WordPress API you can probably eventually go headless or not necessarily depend on WordPress for something like this yeah I, I think a lot of the plugins and features that get developed for WordPress are usually catered to kind of corporate websites or, yeah. or corporate clients and and I that makes sense because they're paying web of WordPress firms to build these plugins for them and then the WordPress community uh, great very grateful that they share them but I do think there's this kind of smaller, more independent niche publisher vertical that's uh, more ignored more often. And maybe because there's not as much money there, and that's a fa- that'd be a fair criticism, <laughs> but I think it's tremendously important, and I think that we need to see more experimentation on this audience uh, and on this kind of, kind of publisher. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I know that there's a, a, a much bigger shift now in the web design and web development world towards content first. Uh, I just, ta- I just spoke to James Rose recently who released a product called content snare, which basically forces your clients to put together content before you build the website. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is fantastic. So, you know, focusing, focusing on the content and then building features around that to help content creators uh, like you've been saying, like we've been saying this whole time is, is important. So, uh, I think that's those of you out there listening who have the, either the time or the money, get in touch. <laughs> or you're just, or you're just angry like me that, yeah. that, that how bad our discourse has gotten as a result of bad news. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, scratch your own itch, right? That's been, uh, that's been a, a mantra of how I built it. So I will. So we didn't really follow the regular format for this interview, and time has absolutely flown by anyway. <laughs> I will ask you the last question before we get to the Fast Five. Uh, I will ask you the last question I like to ask, which is, do you have any trade secrets for us? Trade secrets. Well, my job, my day job is as an editor-in-chief, and I think that the longer I am in charge of content outlets and content platforms, I realize there's just two main pillars that you need to get right and everything else tends to fall in line. One is the brand. So what do you stand for? Who are you and how are you different? And then two is know exactly who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. 
And I think a lot of news outlets, a lot of marketing, a lot of writing, they're just writing for writing's sake. They're just trying to throw stuff out there. And the best brands, the ones you read all the time, know exactly who they are. And I think my test is if you were to cover, if you were to do the CSS naked test, right, remove all the CSS from a site and just read it or read it in pocket, do you know what site this is from? And the answer needs to be yes every time. I I love that. And that is, I mean, it's something that, developers talk about all the time you're building a product know your niche market but it's absolutely the same for content you are you want certain people who will get the most value out of what you're writing to read it so that's fantastic yeah my my boss likes to say Rami likes to say uh, the world wants you to be vanilla right so you're gonna get a lot of feedback where people are gonna say oh you you know you write too long or it's too short or I don't like it for uh the language or whatever and the reality is the moment you start listening to them, you start to fall in line to be like anyone else and you become part of the crowd and then everyone leaves you. Yeah, absolutely. The The, the perfect blog post length is 450 to 600 words. I don't think I've ever written a blog post of that length because I, you know, it's not because I ramble on, but because what I'm trying to say is going to take more than 600 words. Right. And, and and the act of finding that is hard and it takes forever and you want to punch yourself in the face as you do it. But once you figure out your niche and your audience, it, it you need to do that first before building any kind of tech stack, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's that is my trade secret. I love <laughs> you it. Are, you are building a community, act like it. Yep, absolutely. I, I love it. You know, it, it's not something they could teach you in school. You can't major in writing content, but it, it takes time just like learning how to program, just like building a house or whatever. So. The probably the only time you'll ever hear writing content being compared to building a house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I've never built a house. So yeah, I don't so, know. <laughs> me neither. I've built IKEA furniture and it's gone horribly wrong. So uh, we are. Let's. So uh, I'm still trying to find my sea legs with this. This is the fast five. It is new for season three. Uh, I'm going to ask you uh, five questions. The first four I would like your gut reaction on. Uh, the last one you could put a little bit more thought into. Sound good? Yeah. What's your favorite book? Brave New World. Brave New World, nice. Follow up, what's the one that you most recently finished reading? I just I just finished reading uh, Shattered, the Hillary Clinton campaign expose. And to be honest, I didn't finish it because I found it very, this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. Uh-huh. And I wasn't that into it. To be gotcha, honest. gotcha. Who wrote, did somebody close to the campaign write it or was it like somebody else? It was a jur- journalist who were promised access in favor of not revealing any names and then publishing it months after. Gotcha, makes sense. Yeah. Cool. What kind of music do you like to listen to? Lately, been on a blues kick, so I've been listening to a lot of Robert Johnson and Sun House and Ta- Taj Mahal, the new guy I just discovered. And then otherwise, I listen to a lot of Drake. <laughs> nice, very nice. More life. I've been I've been listening to that a lot. <laughs> he does. He he speaks the truth a lot of times. He started from the bottom, and now we're here. So and now he's here. Yes. Yeah, exactly. What's your favorite food? Uh, Mexican food. So burritos, tacos. Nice. Yeah, all that stuff. I guess I could have guessed that from when we met up. <laughs> who is i think i know the answer to this one who's your favorite sports team Ooh, i mean it's one of the philadelphia ones probably philadelphia 76ers 70 i was gonna guess the sixers uh very nice and here's the last one again you could put a little bit more thought into this it's kind of open-ended so uh, i want you to pick something that you know very well and tell us how you learned it hmm so i one thing i'm really good at at this point is planning a trip or a vacation and the reason i know this is because i just got done a five-month trip around the globe with my wife 
from October to March of 2016 into 2017. And at first I was really bad at planning a trip because I would just show up to things and figure it out. But <laughs> after doing it time and time again with another human expecting to have a great time, I got really good at it. So that is what I would say I'm really good at now. That's awesome. So so you learned from experience there, is that right? Yeah, the, the precarious balance of overplanning and underplanning, right? If you underplan too much, you just walk around board. If you overplan too much, you're running from tour to tour and spending lots of money. I think I found, finally found the right balance. Awesome. That's excellent. Uh, I can, I can vouch for that usually when I, so usually my vacation is to Disney World. So I already know exactly what I'm doing all the time. But we, we got, we hired a travel agent for our two week honeymoon to Italy. And I am eternally grateful for that because she had like the right mix of tourist and traveler. Uh, in there. And the thing that I loved the most was we didn't have to worry at all about transportation anywhere. So uh, usually what I will do when I get to a place off of the main part of transportation, whether that's a, a train or uh, an airplane or, or whatever, is I'll think, how do I get to my hotel from here? <laughs> uh, I never have that planned out. And Uber has made it easier. But it's still, you know, if you're in a place where Uber is not very good or Lyft or whatever, you know, you're, I'm at least left in the lurch because I'm like, I don't know how to get to my hotel cab, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so Cool. Well, Sean, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a great conversation as usual. Likewise. Thank you very much for having me. And if anyone wants to nerd about news or content, I am at Sean Belanda on Twitter. Happy to chat about it. Excellent. And I will have all of Sean's links and all the links that we talked about in the show notes. It'll be a lengthy show notes for this one. So be sure to check it out at howibuilt.it. Just a fantastic conversation with Sean. I always enjoy talking to him. Uh, I really like his insight uh, in a field that, frankly, I don't know too much about aside from just kind of consuming the news. Uh, So it's always great to get a different perspective. Now, if you liked the show, you can do me a solid by heading over to iTunes and leaving a rating and a review. It's the best way for people to find the show and discover the show and more listeners means better episodes and higher rankings and all that fun stuff Uh, and if you leave a review uh let me know perhaps i will read it on the show right here right now so uh once again thanks so much for listening thanks to our sponsors liquid web and project panorama and until next time get out there and build something